Well, hola, mi familia, Antonio, and what's your name in Spanish, by the way? Just Brie. Antonio and boring Brie from Orange <laughs> County, California. <laughs> All right. Confession off the top here. The title on this pod feels a little bit clickbaity why? to me because I put in the teens, but it's really about everybody. So then why did you say teens? Because it had a T and it went with taming. Taming oh, the boy. teens. <laughs> social media joke for you real quick. Yes. What's the golden rule of social media? What? Tweet others how you want to be tweeted. Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> One of those days. All right. So there seems to be some upside to social media. Very small, but upside. Like any other technology, watching the gospel travel the earth. But man, there is a lot of filth and a lot of pain, canceling division, loneliness, ghosting, and heartache. And the stats are in on the travesty um, that it has had on the next generation. So we pray that this little pod is helpful to families looking for guiding principles and potential guardrails. And a great little book that details all of this is Jeff Johnson's Taming the Fingers, which is only 60 pages, six bucks on Amazon, recommended by the Mrs. Aaron Coates. <laughs> And James and Earl will be on with us next month. You ready for this, my love? Yes. Ethan, are you ready? Let's roll. How dare you say that to me? <laughs> what did I say? I don't know, but how? So here's the plan. Let's talk a bit about where the Wood Fam is on the social media stuff, and then we can use Jeff's book to lay out a few principles, and everyone can eat the meat, spit out the bones for their own family. Sounds great. For starters, my love, you have always struggled with social media. I have. It can be a time thief, and in this season, there is no time to spare, but also it's safe to say I'm pretty awkward, so there's really nothing <laughs> natural about it for me. Mm, awkward. <laughs> but everyone loved you on TikTok. Okay, to clarify, I did a video for FTG because I was asked to, and I love studying God's word and helping others, but I only heard later how upset people yeah, were Yeah, that it. was tough. The libs weren't too big on your homemaking plan. I didn't want to rile everyone. Okay, and you shut down your Facebook back in 2010. Right. When the kiddos were small, one day I was scrolling my feed and Peyton was crying for me and it hit me like a ton of bricks. These digital friends have invaded my sacred responsibility mm. and I deleted it and I felt so free that day moving And forward. I did the same thing around 2017 and only started a new IG when all the COVID stuff hit and the church asked me to. And then we did those little devos at the kitchen table for everyone. Oh, kitchen yeah. table talks. And then FTG asked me to do one, an IG for the podcast. So We've had kind of a love-hate relationship, I would say, where we mm -hmm. saw the dangers early on, but enjoy now the gospel content interactions more. And I think part of that is just being able to get to meet so many incredible Christians, all of you date nighters from around the world. Totally. And then there's the parenting side where we've got teens and have had to prayerfully navigate if and how they use phones. So Ethan's first year of college now at TMU. Uh, and helps with media at church. So he's been on a phone for over a year with protection softwares and all that. And I think he sees the challenges of social media and its potential fit pitfalls, and he's careful. Yeah, he does this neat thing where his phone is always grayscale, like no color, because they've done studies on how the color imagery fires dopamine and creates addiction. So I like how yeah, he I did that. that. Mm -hmm. And Peyton, we waited until age 15. She was traveling for missionary work, and then she got her phone. But that's only for messages and calling, and there's no social. Which allows she build relationships in a hardwired fashion instead of digitally and all of for communication and Ethan's too roll through our family count so we're able to monitor if needed even our youngest who's nine has an iPad but only gets one to two hours on the weekend to play chess or games so I don't know that we have a hard fast family principle but I'd say it'd be something along those lines where Brie and I've elected to use it as a ministry tool based on 
preset criteria of the ministries we're involved with, but haven't encouraged it really too much for, for the children. Yeah. Agreed. Just like any other tool in life, you know, technological or otherwise, if it's defensible as an instrument of God's glory, go for it. But if it's an implement of personal use with inerrant risks associated, then it's better to steer clear until further justified. And I don't think it's a false analogy to say that's true of any instrument, mm-hmm. whether it's a car, computer, microphone, trombone, anything. It's an immoral object that can be stewarded for good or evil, all depending upon its user. But that's why maturity is so key. Because just like we don't hand a three-year-old a rifle or put a 10-year-old in the driver's seat is the same reason a young adult mm. must show readiness to God's will before we put such a volatile weapon as social media in their hands. Perfect. Spot to transition. Because Jeff Johnson titled his little book we just mentioned, Taming the Fingers, obviously a play on James 3, Taming the Tongue. Because just like you're saying, the thumbs can stir up a world of hurt and the pictures that come with those thumbs can cause a lot of damage too. Amen. So here's how this works. Whether it is for us adults or our teens, Jeff broke the Proverbs down into five questions that we must ask before we post anything. So this is like the simplest pod we've ever done. We're just going to read each of his questions off and then we'll talk about them briefly. And obviously this isn't exhaustive, but a good starting point. And I'd even say post these somewhere on the laptop, on the back of your phone. And before throwing up a tweet, quote, pick or post, make sure it fits all five of these, especially since we're going into election year and who knows what is coming. Yes. Okay. Taming the fingers. Question number one is, am I controlled? And what Jeff explains is that being Christian isn't just speaking your mind about everything because that lacks self-control. And then he quotes Proverbs 29, 11, which says, a fool vents all his feelings, but a wise man holds them back. And we have all been there. Yes, where we're we fired have. up about something. We type it out. We feel the adrenaline rush post and then wait for comments ready to argue with any dissenters. (laughs) Yeah, like no matter what, you you, got to put your two cents in. But Proverbs says, quote, the wise man who has knowledge spares his words, which doesn't mean he never says anything, but that he exercises self-control over his spirit so that what he says is under control, it's planned, it's logical and truly beneficial. And I love that he gives the example of talking to someone in real life and how often we're tempted to speak over a keyboard in a way we Mm. would never interact face to face. Yep. And then he gives a few helpful reminders that spirit led in quote, typing is timely. And there's a few indicators of timely typing. First is that we've given serious consideration to what we're about to say. Second is when the words are most likely to accomplish their intended purpose. Third is when it's fairly certain you may win the discussion, Proverbs 25, 8 on that one. And fourth is knowing when to pull back and just to let it go, Proverbs chapter 17, verse 14. Which means social media isn't the place for rebuke or true loving admonishment and really isn't the place for sensitive matters, you know, personal matters or matters that require discernment and time to figure it out. Correct. Okay. Taming the fingers. Question number two. Am I calm? I love the way he describes this. First, he asks, is your post soothing? And then second, is your post swaying? He likes to alliterate like someone else I know. <laughs> I'm a man. <laughs> what he's talking about first is our mannerisms when someone unleashes on us. You know, are, are we prone to speak back harshly? kind of bow up online, you know, kind of a short fuse, or can we manage a soft answer? Proverbs 15.1, a soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. A soft answer turns away wrath. That's from my Mission Academy family. Come on, M.A. This is a big thing because anger is continually expressed on social media. And people do it to attempt change. 
But all anger does is fuel more anger, and it certainly doesn't bring change. And that's why our social media turns into an echo chamber with a group that believes like we do and likes whatever we're angry at, which drives us to be more fiery, thinking we'll get more likes or follows. But in the end, it never crosses the room, meets an enemy, or changes anything. Totally. So we need to speak the truth, but there is no reason to do so rudely. Exactly. Nobody ever said we had to be ugly about it. One thing I always enjoyed about R.C. Sproul was his likability. In fact, Steve Lawson used to tell us that after each sermon, R.C. would go down, sit in the front row next to his wife, Estee was her name, um, and ask, was I kind today? Aww. Even as I preached, as I shared the gospel, even as I talk about error and even heresy, was I kind? Wow, I love that. Me too. Taming the fingers, number three is, am I careful? Personally, this was the most convicting paragraph in the entire book for me. Uh, it is so good. I want to read it to everybody. Listen to this. He says, let me introduce you to John Doe. Mr. Doe is a Christian man who believes he has a lot of insight and should be heard. The problem is that his pastors will not give him proper recognition and opportunities to do this in church. He's frustrated that people do not take him seriously. Then along comes social media, and now he finally has a pulpit to fulfill his stewardship. It seems that many people have embraced the mistaken notion that social media has given them a platform where they can be heard. The humbling reality, however, is that most of us do not have a stewardship from God to communicate the truth regarding any matter via social media. And if you think you have a stewardship, more than likely it is only an inflated view of your importance. And Jeff humbly includes himself in that next paragraph saying, you know, he says, I'm a local pastor of a small church and I'm no who's who in the evangelical world. Therefore, I'm confident people are not sitting at home on their computers waiting for Jeff Johnson to chime in on the latest issue. So good. It is. And he goes on to say, before posting, if you don't have a preaching post or an ordination or an obvious stewardship of God, just stop and really begin to calculate the potential risk of speaking out. What would some of this be? Well, he says that it's possible we're wasting a lot of our time kind of talking to everyone else's field, end quote, but not tilling our own. And he gets that from Proverbs 12, just the idea that you should be doing a local ministry, not sitting around vying for a global one. And he gives examples like, are you actually just tilling the field of your marriage? Hmm. Are you helping the children's ministry? Are you leading family worship around the table? Are you serving your friends or your community or evangelizing your neighbors? His point is that people often nowadays are sitting at the keyboards yelling at the virtual world, but not actually engaging their tangible neighbors. This is something I think about sometimes. Like if Jesus says be salt and light and Mm -hmm. we have the responsibility to influence this godless world, how we communicate is a big part of that. And if our page is full of vitriol, anger, and sociopolitical ad hominems, I don't see how that adorns the gospel. That's good. So true. Okay. Taming the fingers. Question number four. Am I compassionate? And this little chapter is intensely helpful for anyone who's scrolled social media and you're seeing all the heartache in the world and felt guilty for not posting or taking a stand on whatever the most recent ideology is. Mm -hmm. Like what? Well, social justice warrioring, let's just kind of draw a broad, I'll make just kind of a broad blanket statement here. Social justice warrioring is pointing out a current or past evil along with commentary on that said evil, attempting to rally a response. And then here's the the issue. Anyone who stays silent is considered, you know, woke or non-compassionate or whatever other cancel culture phrase they're using now. And the challenge is, just for everyday people, there's so much horrid stuff scrolling our news feeds and there's so much fake news and clickbait with very little legitimate sourcing. It's, it's to the point nobody can ever be compassionate enough and everybody's eventually going to get canceled mm-hmm. by somebody. 
So what appears on the surface to be compassion, in quote, is actually just more cruelty. Got it. So Jeff outlines biblical compassion, trying to kind of give us a matrix on when and how to respond. And we don't have time to go into the whole chapter, but just real quick, two points. He says, number one, biblical compassion is practical, where you can actually help someone, a real solution, not not just squawk talk on Twitter, because just seeing a picture and having an emotional reaction isn't compassion. Mm-hmm. That happened in 2020 with the whole blackout thing on IG and people in the church got upset if you didn't put a black circle or a black square, whatever it was. And they said, you're not compassionate, but a black square doesn't change anything. And then interestingly, Jeff actually highlights number two, biblical compassion is not only practical, number two, it's private, it's personal. And he does a really good job of highlighting of a more what we could call hypocritical or pharisaic help versus true good Samaritan help, mm-hmm. which means there's one kind of help which is out there and it's brandish and it's a show-off help, but it's not really doing anything, whereas true good Samaritan love is private, personal, and it's actually moving the ball downfield and benefiting a real life. And he gives a meteor strike illustration of taking a selfie, for example, at a soup kitchen with the caption underneath, hey, thankful to teach our kids the importance of serving. And then he quotes Proverbs 27 too, let another man praise you and not your own mouth. Oof. And he's spot on there. I mean, these are things that we we all need to chew on. How often are we posting these broad kind of um, grand views of our of our compassion and our care for the world, but really it's kind of a a self applauding uh, caption that is attempting to 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 showcase just how in our eyes wonderful we are. And lastly, taming the fingers. Question number five: Am I conscientious? And this chapter is tongue in cheek, but it makes the point mm-hmm. that it, if we do or did in real life what we do online, people wouldn't come within a mile of us. And I'll just I'll just read this these few sentences. Listen to this. He says, "Quote: I'm trying to make friends outside of Facebook while applying the same principles." Therefore, every day I walk down the street and tell passersby what I've eaten, how I feel, what I've done the night before, what I'll do later, and with whom. I give them pictures of my family, my dog, my gardening, taking things apart in the garage, watering the lawn, standing in front of landmarks, driving around town, having lunch, and doing what anybody and everybody does every day. I also listen to their conversations and give them a thumbs up and tell them I like them, and it works. I have four people who follow me in real life, two police officers, a private investigator, and a psychiatrist. (laughs) (laughs) And obviously, it's tongue-in-cheek because Mm -hmm. social media is an option platform where people choose to follow or not. But that's why he calls it a conscience question, where we all need to ask, you know, is it fake? Is it funny? Is it fair? And if I'm posting stuff that I'd never say in real life, there's a problem there. I've become disingenuous, which is personally speaking, I'll just be honest, one of the reasons I'm so grateful to be a pastor and have God's truth to share, because I don't I don't really have much to say outside of God's word. And I'm kind of a boring guy. You are not. But I know I would get in trouble. I would just add one thing for the ladies, which Jeff touches on, is that we want to be careful about false testimony. Mm. This goes for print and pictures, that when we post something, we need to be ready to stand before God and defend its accuracy. And biblically, there's no exception to this. So if we're posting something about our life, our home, our children, a friend, family member, or even an issue in the city or school system, we need to make sure it's honest to who we are and the situation. So good. Does that mean I can't filter out my old man wrinkles anymore? Oh, my love, you don't need filters. I do. Let's sum it up. Social media is part of the new world, and though it's just an amoral technology, it can lead to real harm if not used properly. So before posting or engaging, ask these questions. Am I controlled? Am I calm? Am I careful? Am I compassionate? And have I been conscientious? And if the answer to any of those is 
know or not yet, then click out, pray, and wait. Amen. Well, Heavenly Father, this is just one little pot in a sea of digital data, but I pray, we pray, uh, that your words through Jeff's pen would touch somebody today, giving them greater clarity on when and how to engage the online world, not taking our cues from men, but always from you. In Jesus' name we ask, amen. Date night, fam. We sure love you. A big thanks to the FTG team, beloved at Mission Bible Church, and of course, Ethan, our producer. We will be back in a week, so keep living for the gospel and fighting for the family. Thank you.